Ready to get charged up? Visit the downtown Kia EV Discovery Center, Canada's newest Kia dealer located on 8th and Burrard in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, and home to the electric vehicle experts. Learn all about Kia's cutting-edge EV technology and discover all the benefits of going electric. Contact Downtown Kia today at downtownkia.com to arrange a test drive, and they'll even bring the test drive to your front door. Book your test drive or shop safely online 24-7 at downtownkia.com. That's downtownkia.com. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, the post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. Today's episode marks the final one for Season 2, so it's great to have a guest on whose company is doing its part in connecting the entire country's EV community together. Over the course of Plugged In's two seasons, we've seen listeners from all parts of Canada join the EV conversation, making this a true national podcast. Electrify Canada is in the early stages of creating a public fast charging network that once completed will allow you to drive your EV from coast to coast to coast. And while that all-encompassing vision is still a few years from being realized, Phase 1 will see 32 charging stations up and running by the end of the year. My guest today is Electrify Canada COO Robert Barossa, and he'll fill us in on the company's plans, where these stations will be, and why public charging infrastructure is crucial to the EV revolution in this country. But first, a couple of headlines from the EV world. Volkswagen's chief operating officer has dropped some big news on that company's coming very soon EV lineup of vehicles. Ralph Brandstatter told Car Magazine that the ID1, which is the smallest ID branded vehicle in that automaker's lineup of electric models, will have a base price of just 22,000 US dollars. After incentives, that target price will fall below $20,000. The ID1 will replace the 2020 E-Up mini car which is the electric version of the gas-powered VW Up, a subcompact not sold in North America. It sells for the equivalent of just over $26,000 in Europe. Brandstatter noted that major cost savings can be realized with the ID1 that couldn't be with the Up, since converting an existing car like the Up to an all-electric E-Up is not only impractical, but inefficient in terms of engineering. He noted that in the very near future, it will make no sense to put battery cells in a car designed for a gasoline engine, as VW did with the E-Up and the E-Golf. He referred to those cars as, quote, stepping stone projects, unquote. Final specs on the ID1 aren't out yet, but industry insiders are expecting it to come with two choices for battery packs, most likely 24 kilowatt hours and 36 kilowatt hours. All of which makes me think about another low-cost VW vehicle that at first seemed unlikely to capture the public's imagination, particularly here in North America, but would go on to be one of the most iconic and best-selling models of all time. Will the ID1 be the Beetle of the electric age? Probably not, but when it comes to creating car for the masses, Volkswagen has a very lengthy and successful track record. Stay tuned. I've mentioned the Electric Autonomy Canada newsletter before, and if you haven't signed up for it at electricautonomy.ca yet, you're missing out on some great EV news from across the country. The latest briefing has a thought-provoking article by Christopher Ralph headlined, Let's Make Electric Ferries Part of the Recovery Plan for Quebec. Granted, not specific to electric vehicles, but certainly an idea that would lead to the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, which is itself a major aspect of the EV revolution. 
Ferry companies in Canada are already looking to reduce their carbon footprint. The Quebec government has announced that new ferry purchases will include natural gas-powered vessels, and out here in British Columbia, BC Ferries just put its first hybrid electric ship, the Island Discovery, into service earlier this month. In his article, Ralph cites Quebec's leadership in electric vehicle development, manufacturing, and ownership as reasons the province could and should become a leader in electric ferries. And then there's Quebec's existing shipbuilding industry. As Ralph states in the piece, quote, The world is going to look a lot different post-COVID-19. How people move around the province is going to change, along with their consumption habits. Despite this change, as long as the St. Lawrence River separates the people of Quebec, ferries will always be a requirement, unquote. Much has been made about how the pandemic has given us the opportunity to hit the reset button on so many aspects of society, and Ralph's article underscores how realistic making some of these changes really is, and how much better we'd all be off if we do. Which is a good way to segue into our talk with our guest from Electrify Canada, as more public charging stations is always a good thing. Rob Barossa is the Chief Operations Officer of Electrify Canada, a company established three years ago with the goal of promoting greater zero emission vehicle adoption with the development of an ultra-fast DC charging network. The first station to open in the Toronto area last fall, and earlier this month, Electrify Canada announced a network of nine stations will be up and running in BC by the end of the year. In total, the company's goal is to have 32 such stations, each of which has at least four chargers providing charging speeds from 50 kilowatts to 350 kilowatts in four provinces by the end of 2020. Great to have you here, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, first question I'd like to ask, it's not about Electrify Canada, it's more a personal question. I'd like to know what's the first electric vehicle you ever drove? Uh, is a uh, Nissan Leaf was my uh, Nissan first Leaf. electric car. Actually, I should, I should correct that. So I wasn't an EV1. Um, I didn't get to drive it. Uh, but I did get to sit in it and experience it. So that was my first sort of experience with electric car. But uh, the first car I, I did get to drive was the the the, the uh, Nissan Leaf. Was that the first gen Leaf, like 2010, yes. 2011? Yeah. Yep. So you are a, you are a veteran of the EV world. Yeah. So I've been uh, in the space for a long time, um, uh, over over a decade. Uh, started mostly on. Uh, the off-road, more of the uh, electric forklift and electrifying electric forklifts for, um, you know, warehouses and ground support equipment at airports um, and, and producing fast chargers for that application. And then, uh, okay. and then moved on to the on-road on on world. So how long have you been with Electrify Canada? So I've uh, been with Electrify Canada since its beginning, about, uh, uh, what was it now, almost uh, two years ago. Um, okay. And uh, and so I've uh, been working on getting the operations up and running and getting our, our first phase of uh, chargers installed. Yeah, so it's I guess it, it as you say, you've been doing it a couple of years. Um, first station, as I mentioned, in the fall. How is the uh, how is that going in Toronto? What kind of um, uh, usage is it? Are those uh, chargers having? Uh, uh, pretty good usage. Um, you know, it's it's still uh, an early market, right? So. Um, you know, you're not seeing the kind of usage you would see at a typical gas station today, but that's just, uh, you know, um, you know it's, it's sort of, you got to think about what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And so we're certainly putting out the infrastructure there before uh, the, the vehicles. Um, but we do see quite a few vehicles um, and, and there's more coming online every day. So uh, utilization increase is increasing month over month. Yeah. And I guess that uh, the one in Toronto is in a bit of an urban setting. Um, 
so I think sometimes those chargers are, are not so much uh, point A to point B people, right? It's more people maybe just stopping in on their way to work or, or you know, maybe just in the area, leaving their cars. They'll have personal chargers at home. The chargers that you guys have planned for British Columbia, um, and, I, and I assume elsewhere, are more highway oriented, more kind of like long distance treks. Is that something that, that Electrify Canada is going to pursue? Yeah, so I, I, certainly for our phase one, what we did is we went to um, all our automaker partners uh, and and sort of asked the question, you know, where, where do your customers live? Where do they drive? Where do you envision um, infrastructure? Um, where, where does it need to be? And so uh, so we gathered a lot of that feedback as well as looked at demographics and uh, traffic patterns, just not only metro areas, but also uh, along the highways and, and destination routes and things like that. So, so we took that data in um, and we said, okay, for our first phase, let's, let's really start thinking about how do we provide confidence for drivers to, you know, go wherever they want to go or where they normally go for a vacation or to get out of the town. Right. Um, right. Most of these drivers today, a lot of the demographics, they probably have a home, um, a single family home or a, somewhere dedicated where they can park their car and charge it overnight. So, you know, the, the, the in-city charging maybe isn't as much a necessity today. Uh, so that's why we sort of focus this first phase on more of, a, of uh, the network route uh, to, to get to those destinations and areas like that. But as we look towards our second phase, we'll be um, looking back again in the metros, right? Because now how do we start addressing a larger demographic? Um, right to the folks that don't have that de that dedicated charging because they need this type of infrastructure uh, to be able to, to you know harness the power of an electric vehicle yeah as i'm sure many of my listeners know um, electrify america um, has a very extensive network uh, built already in the states um, using that kind of highway model what is the relationship between electrify canada electrify america uh, so both companies were started uh, by volkswagen um, and so, uh, so we, we, we share that same heritage, but we're right. independent companies of each other, but share a lot of the same resources uh, and, and technology. Right. Um, so we were lucky to um, basically leverage all the work that they had done in terms of processes, uh, site development, you know, engineering, uh, as well as charger technology and network. Uh, and, and we're able to customize that for the Canadian market. Uh, and 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 use it here. So that's helped us to expand quickly. So if you had an, if you have a, a, a charging account with Electrify Canada or vice versa, Electrify America, are they reciprocal? Uh, so today they're not, they're not. Uh, but okay. uh, that is that is that's on our roadmap. Um, so you'll probably be seeing uh, something along those lines uh, sometime next next year, hopefully early next year. Uh, we'll we'll enable that that uh, cross border. Uh, capability right and and how would it work for someone in in Vancouver or Toronto right now to to utilize your network is it is it a matter of going online and opening an account is it is it a key fob how does that work yeah so one of the things uh, we did is we want to make sure we built this so everyone has access so you don't have to join uh, a club or anything like that every every station you you walk up to will have a, a credit card uh, reader on it. Um, so you can, you know, you know, tap your card and go ahead and pay for a charge right on the station. Okay. Uh, so you don't have to, you don't have to join the club. Now we do have uh, an app that you can download. It has all our stations and you can uh, pay for a charge using the app. 
Um, so you just basically swipe your swipe your finger and it, it enables the charger to go and it'll automatically bill your credit card okay. based on what you charge. Uh, and, and then you can join uh, a subscription plan. We have different tiers of, of, of offers, but you can join a subscription plan uh, and you'll get uh, for a small monthly fee, you get a, a lower price to charge at the charging station. Uh, in addition to that, we've done a lot of programs with, with automakers uh, to bundle the fueling uh, of the vehicle um, when you purchase the car. Uh, so for example, with the Audi e-tron, uh, you get two years free uh, access to Electrify Canada network. Uh, and with the Porsche Taycan, you get three years free uh, access to the network. Okay. And then I assume once the ID uh, VWs start rolling into Canada, that would be a similar program. Uh, yeah, we haven't announced anything yet, but but you can imagine we'll we'll probably be doing something along a similar line. Right. Um, you know, one of the, the over the course of doing the podcast, I've had guests on talking about charging stations, and and there seems to be a feeling. I'm not sure if it's a chicken egg thing when we're talking about widespread adoption of EVs. A lot of people seem to think we need charging stations to make people buy electric cars, and then the inverse is once we hit a certain number of EV on the road, we need more charging stations. How do you guys see that? I mean, are you ahead of this, do you think? Or... Yeah, I, I think we, we certainly feel we got to get ahead of it. Um, uh, for us, what we think is, we think a couple things. One is uh, we want to build confidence in the driver, right? So we want to make sure that, you know, when they're looking at getting into an EV, that they have confidence that they can go wherever they want to go in that vehicle. Um, it's already hard enough to make the switch to transition to start thinking about EVs. So that's a, that's a big jump for a consumer. Um, and the, always the first thing on their mind is, well, you know, can I, can I go from Vancouver? Can I go to Kelowna? Can I go to some areas in the Rockies? Um, and, you know, can I get there? And then how long is it going to take me to get there? Am I going to have to go, you know, a hundred kilometers, 200 kilometers and stop and wait two hours? Yeah. Um, so that's the second part we've tried to we've we've tried to solve is how do we put the highest power charging stations uh, out in the field so that customers have confidence that not not only one they can get to where they want to go but they can get there quickly. So by having these high power charging stations, customers can pull up and charge and almost mimic sort of the fueling experience they have today in terms of time, right? right. So how can we get most of their range back in 10 or 15 minutes? Um, and so having 150 kilowatt, 350 kilowatt chargers gives them that capability. Obviously, it's also dependent on the vehicle and what the vehicle can take. Um, but we see more and more cars headed that way to hard, higher charge capability. Right. I was fortunate to do, to do the first, the global first drive of the, the Porsche Taycan um, from uh, Norway to Sweden. We drove it and there was an Electrify. Would it be Electrify Europe? Would that be the comparable company for you guys, the Volkswagen Chargers? In, in, in Europe. In, in, in Europe. Europe yeah, yeah, in Europe, it's a joint venture among several automakers. It's called Ionity. Ionity, that's it, right. So anyway, we pulled up to these chargers, and the Taycan, you know, is is an incredible piece of engineering. And uh, it was, I think, about 12 minutes it took us to charge this car up, um, super high-speed charging, yep. and uh, really was a kind of glimpse into the future. Oh, absolutely, right. So you're talking about getting 20 kilometers a minute of range back in your vehicle. Right. Um, so it's, uh, that's... You know, so now you're you're starting to get to to that sort of what it takes you to get to a gas station, right? And how long you spend right. there. Um, so once you start once you start reaching those levels, right, and you have that infrastructure everywhere, um, 
then then making the jump from you know ICE to electric, it, it's not that far. So now it's just a customer education and giving them the confidence, right? And that's what this infrastructure does. Uh, it gives them the confidence. It starts building that. And so it's important that we get it out there first, right? Uh, and and start building that education, uh, building that awareness, getting people comfortable. And as more and more models of vehicles and more capability of the vehicle uh, start coming to market, um, then then you'll see the transition to accelerate. Right. And just to be clear, um, unlike, let's say, a Tesla supercharger, Electrify Canada, even though there's the relationship with Volkswagen, any electric car can charge at your stations. Right. Absolutely. I mean, for this market to succeed, we need everybody to succeed, right? This is a movement. This is a transition. Yeah. Um, and, and so we need we need all the brands, all everyone to, to get on board and, and move to, to electrification right. and infrastructure. You know, infrastructure needs support. It needs volume uh, to survive. So it's important that, uh, you know, we build infrastructure for all. Is it time for a new car? Or is your vehicle in need of maintenance or servicing? BC's new car dealers have provided an essential service during the COVID-19 pandemic, and with input from WorkSafe BC have established a strict code of health and safety guidelines for its dealer members to follow to protect the health of customers and staff. Now, as we enter the next phase of BC's economic recovery, many dealerships have also adopted online purchasing options, including 24-hour test drives in which vehicles are dropped off at customers' front doors. For more information, visit newcardealers.ca. What's what's the biggest challenge facing Electrify Canada? I mean, is it is it simply a matter of of uh, building the stations of of the capital required to to get that going? Yeah, and I well, um, I think our challenge, luckily, you know, uh, Volkswagen has stepped behind this and and said we're making this move and we're making this investment, pushing forward. So, from a capital perspective, certainly we've been fortunate to have uh, a great company like that behind us and and push us forward. Um, for us, it's really, you know, our job is now, uh, and we, we've been able to leverage all the technology and processes and things that have been developed on the Electrify America side and adopt those to Electrify Canada. So now it's, now we're putting this big infrastructure into a lot of areas that people haven't seen before. This is something new, especially for utilities. This is something new um, and haven't seen these mm-hmm. types of power levels before. So it's really a big education process, right? To, to get the, them on board, to move at the speed that we want to move to at. Um, so that's been our biggest challenge is how do we get all these different players on board and, and moving in a fashion that, that allows us to deploy, to deploy quickly. Yeah, and I guess in Canada's case, every province has its own um, its own uh, energy um, company. So you have to deal with with ten or let's say thirteen even of uh, different organizations to get these things going. Right. I mean, we're dealing with you know just a few provinces in this first phase. Uh, British Columbia is somewhat pretty simple. It's it's mostly BC Hydro, which has been a great partner. Yeah. Uh, um, and and then there, as you go into Alberta, there's a there's uh, another company there. But Ontario, I think, is the probably the um, the one with the most, where every spot is almost a different LDC. Um, and so yeah. um, and some are big, some are small, um, and everyone has their own processes, their own resources. Uh, and so trying to get them to, to move at the speed we want sometimes is difficult. And, and then sometimes you deal with a lot of uh, interesting rules that have been in place for a long time for, you know, 
um, things that made sense for the traditional electrical grid. Uh, and we're trying to do something a little bit different. So um, there's a lot of you know work to sort of uh, massage those rules over and and you know, almost rewrite <laughs> them sometimes uh, to get things done. Yeah, I, I see that uh, five of the nine stations planned for British Columbia before the end of the year are located in Canadian tire stores. So I just wonder about what that relationship is. Yeah, so when when we look at um, uh, deploying, right, um, we look at different amenities that we want to be associated with and, and uh, co-located with so that customers, one, feel comfortable about where they're going, go, can go somewhere recognizable, something trustworthy. Uh, and then when they're there, have something to do, whether it's uh, potentially use a restroom or go buy something in the store, um, whatever it may be. Uh, and and so and then we also look for partners that have good footprint because uh, being able to uh, partner up with somebody who has uh, stores and property across a, a wide area gives us a lot of options too to pick the right the right spots for where we want to locate stations. Uh, so Canadian Tire with their vision. Uh, in terms of what they want to do for for electrification, um, fit right in with what we wanted to do. Uh, so it was a it was a great relationship right from the start. They've been very supportive, and uh, um, so you know, out of the 32, I think we'll have 21 or 22 uh, sites located at co-located at Canadian Tire Stores. Um, and you know, it's a trusted brand uh, in Canada. Everybody yeah. knows Canadian Tire. Uh, so it's it's great to be associated with them, and then also too, as you know, they have a great rural presence. Um, and we're we're building this first phase. We're building this corridor network essentially uh, in the east and in the west. So uh, so it's nice to have you know good recognizable brand in these small small towns across uh, these provinces. Uh, so it, it fit right right in very well. Right. And and so the three the four provinces you mentioned BC Alberta Ontario and Quebec Quebec yep okay okay and that's um, that is phase one of the plan that's phase one of the plan yeah so that'll take us out to what's this phase... year and then phase two we're yeah. in the planning we're in the planning stages right now for phase two of exactly what's that what that looks like and we're going through a very similar process uh, that we did in our first phase as well as now taking in the the data that we've obviously uh, have learned from the last couple of years uh, in terms of, you know, just utilization uh, to start, uh, you know, vehicle sales, a vehicle forecast. Um, we're also talking to our automaker partners again to understand where, how their, how their view has changed or if it hasn't and where they'd like to see stations. Uh, and then, and then, so we're taking all that into account right now and, and trying to build out that, that second phase model. Um, so I think you'll see a mix uh, in the next phase of, you know, we'll continue along some of these corridor routes or destination routes, uh, but certainly starting to look back in the metro markets to see where's, where's some density we could start um, filling in with. Right. And certainly, as you say, with the Canadian tire footprints across the country, there's lots of spots in urban centers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Suburban, suburban places, yeah. right? Exactly. So, so I asked, you, I asked you about the biggest challenge for Electrify Canada. What about the biggest challenge um, in your mind uh, for EV adoption in general in Canada? I mean, what, what is it? Is it simply range? Is it price? I mean, what, what's, what do you think? Yeah. So I think, I think there's a, a, a few different factors, but certainly capability of the vehicle, right? Not only in its range, um, but it's, it's also its charge rate. Right. So, um, you know, the more you have a vehicle that a consumer can use for 
all their purposes, right? In terms of what they need, the more likely they're going to get into that vehicle. Um, so, so having vehicles that that are capable of those two things, I think, uh, pushes pushes the market the market forward. Uh, price point obviously is always a, a big one, uh, and and so that's you know uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and and I think you know over the last decade we've seen where battery prices and other cost of goods sold have come down significantly, um, and will continue to come down as more and more. Um, EVs are built, and there's more economies of scale that that come about. So I think those those two things really start changing uh, the psyche. And then the, obviously the last one, the big one, is the awareness and the education about what these cars can do and how you know getting into an EV is not that hard, and the transition is not that hard, and the sacrifice is next to none when you have you know the right kind of car as well as the right type of infrastructure out there. Right, right. Um, obviously, the pandemic has has impacted all our lives, um, all, most of our industries. In terms of of your rollout and um, kind of vision to the future, is it more just a, a a pause? I mean, you don't see this thing kind of derailing the electric vehicle movement, do you? No, I, I think for us, you know, uh, just in terms of our deployment in our business, it was a bit of a pause. I would say, if not bump in the road. Yeah, um, right. You know, we, we continue we continued a lot of our work even through the the pandemic in the last you know two three months. Um, we we continued to do all our desktop work in terms of engineering permitting and those sorts of things and where we could work um, and where we could work safely and under under the correct you know guidance from the provinces and the federal government. Uh, we continued to do so. Um, so so yeah. So again, I, I would say it's a bit more of a a bump in the road. Um, than anything in terms of the EV movement, I think it strengthens it, right? I think uh, it was very telling as you know, city after city or country after country shut down. Um, you saw it all over, you know, the the air quality, uh, the drastic improvement in air quality um, wherever you looked uh, was significant. So I think people started to understand, you know, what the world could look like if we electrify. <laughs> Uh, right. And how healthier, how healthier all our lives can be if we we electrify. And one of the the other thing that COVID taught us is, you know, people that had underlying health conditions, uh, lung problems, or other things, um, you know, are most susceptible. So healthy lifestyle is extremely important uh, to to fight these type of pandemics. Um, right. So you know, air quality plays a major role in that in that endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so. I want to just get you out of here with this question, um, one that I ask all my guests at the end, is uh, obviously you have a, a vast experience in the EV space from forklifts to cars now. In terms of cars, in terms of vehicle adoption, what do you consider to, in your mind, what will be the tipping point uh, for EVs in Canada? I mean, is it a function of sales? Is it a function of, of the, a number, the number of chargers available? I mean, what's the metric for you that's the tipping point? Or have we already had it? Uh, uh, well, I think I think we're getting there. The, the key things I always look at is what's the capability of the vehicle that's coming to market, and at what price point uh, is it coming to market at? And I think that that sort of turns turns heads. Uh, and then you know all the other investment going on around infrastructure, all the right things are happening, and a lot of people are doing things, whether it's us or other big utilities like in Quebec and BC BC Hydro. Uh, so the, the underlying infrastructure 
uh, is starting to be built out and what we're doing, we're sort of taking it to the next level to drive even more confidence uh, to the consumers. So I think as you see uh, EVs start hitting, you know, 480 kilometers of range, if not more, um, and start to see price points come down farther and farther and farther. So now they're they're more of the, the affordable car. Uh, uh, I think that that really starts to turn heads and then people, you know, start to get the confidence they need to to make the switch. Yeah, I think what's what what has struck me since I started this podcast, um, among many things, is it's incredible where there's organizations like yours, companies like yours, and and all. I, I had a guy on last week about re- recycling uh, car batteries. It's it, you know it's amazing. It's all moving forward, but you're all kind of moving on your own. There's not like an EV czar overseeing this and telling everybody what to do. It's a, it's a really organic kind of uh, growth, isn't it? I mean, it's remarkable. It is. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. And I would say the other thing that kind of drives, you know, at least in the early days is a lot of the policy decisions that are being made. Right. Um, right. So I think, you know, the, the early days with, you know, what started in California with the ZEV mandate is now being adopted in a lot of the provinces within within Canada um, or similar types of features. I think those sort of things really help spark up and, and push the movement, you know, just kind of nudge it forward. Right. But yeah, there is no there is no one uh, czar out there kind of directing all the things. But I think we're all sort of working to the to the same goal. Right. Yeah. Produce, you know, capable, affordable electric vehicles and have the best type of infrastructure out in the market that can get people where they want to go. That's Rob Barasa from uh, Electrify Canada. Thank you very much for talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that talk with Robert about Electrify Canada's ongoing development of its public charging network across the country. The obvious takeaway from it is the sense that we're getting to the point that along some highway corridors, the fast charging network is becoming quite robust. If even the most conservative predictions about EV adoption rates If even the most conservative predictions about EV adoption rates in the next half decade are on target, we'll definitely need plenty of charging options on the highways connecting the country's major urban centers. Petro-Canada has been adding fast charging stations to its existing gasoline stations during the past year, particularly along the Trans-Canada Highway, and Trailblazer Sun Country established its own cross-country network almost five years ago. What's equally important is that all of these stations cater to any and all automakers' electric vehicles, unlike Tesla's supercharger network that only charges Tesla vehicles. It was just a few years ago that fears were that public chargers would be a dog's breakfast of adapters, meaning you could charge your Nissan Leaf at this one, but not at that one. Fortunately, industry standards were agreed upon, avoiding the possibility of a format war similar to the Beta VHS one that raged during the video player era. And kudos to Electrify Canada's parent company, Volkswagen, for making the investment in a public charging network to serve all EVs, regardless of make. Thanks to my guest, Robert Barossa, producer extraordinaire, Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. I'd also like to give my sincere thanks to our season two sponsors, Downtown Kia here in Vancouver and the new car dealers of BC. Each showed great patience and understanding when we had to put the podcast on pause for a couple of months due to COVID-19. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be associated with such strong and respected organizations. If your company is interested in coming on board as a sponsor for Season 3, reach out to me at pluggedin at postmedia.com 
and I'll put you in contact with our sales rep. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. Have a great summer, and remember, you can always go back and listen to any episodes from seasons one and two that you might have missed. Just look them up on your podcast browser. Thanks again for tuning in, and we can't wait to launch season three in a couple of months to provide you more insight, information, and interviews from the ever-changing world of electric vehicles.